Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, The Power of One. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you feeling? <laughs> Personally, I'm a bit under the weather this morning, so this is either going to be terrible or hilarious. Either way, uh, strap in. Uh, quick show of hands. Who here loves to find a good shortcut when driving? Anyone? This, yeah, don't lie. You're in church. Um, I don't know about you. I love to find a good shortcut while driving, even if it doesn't actually end up being a shortcut at all. And I think maybe my, my favorite navigation app is this app called Waze. Anyone? Any Waze users? His ways are higher than, okay, so Waze is this really beautiful app that actually helps you find a shortcut in any environment, and my favorite part of it is that it often will bring you down like shady alleys or through parking lots or sometimes someone's backyard, right? It's a really (laughs) odd, peculiar app. It also will tell you things like, uh, there's a policeman a half a mile up the road, Um, not that I would ever need to know any of that. But I love, I love shortcuts. I love trying to get any place as fast as I possibly can. Anytime I pull up a GPS and it says the arrival time, I just take that as a challenge. Like, <laughs> I can beat that. Piece of cake. The shortcuts don't always turn out good, do they? Uh, here are a couple of my favorite examples of people attempting shortcuts that went a little south. Um, yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. I just love the guy in the back sort of like, well, don't know what to do here now. I, uh... Wonder what the median IQ in this family is. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, next. How about this guy? <laughs> what was the conversation right before that decision? Well, best I could drive down them steps, yep. Well, guess, guess I can't. I, okay, so this one, though, has got to be my all-time favorite attempt at a shortcut. Uh, <laughs> can you read this? On the road to success, there are no shortcuts. (laughs) Now, I think it's it's interesting because it's easy to laugh at those images, but aren't we all kind of wired to want to get to wherever we're going the fastest way possible? Like, has anyone ever yelled at a microwave for taking too long to, like, pop a bag of popcorn? Maybe you've audibly screamed at a red light for taking way too long to turn green. We're talking seconds, right? We don't like waiting. We, we don't tend to be very patient. And I think this is especially true when it comes to waiting on God. Particularly in our faith journey. So during this series, we've been kind of unpacking the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah. And as we pick up their story today, we find Abraham and Sarah looking for a shortcut. Now, they're not making a shortcut uh, across a median in a highway, but they're trying to shortcut God's plan for their life. Last week, we began in Genesis chapter 12, uh, where God makes this incredible, crazy, life-changing invitation to Abraham. He invites him to leave everything he's ever known, and he says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars, and your family, your lineage, your line will bless the entire world. What an invitation. What a promise. 
Except there was one small problem. It's that Abraham was very old and didn't have any children. Now that can be tough for us, but for them, that would be downright catastrophic. One of the most humiliating things for an Israelite woman would be to not bear children. And for a man, that was the only way to pass on his inheritance, his legacy, his family name. So to not have kids was not just like unfortunate. It essentially meant that you had no future. And yet, even though he was up there in years, they set out on this crazy journey of faith. But time went on and on and on and on. And so we pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 16. It says this. Now, Sarai, which is Sarah, we mentioned this last week that God was going to change their names in a couple of chapters. Um, But Sarah and Abraham's wife had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant uh, named Hagar. So Sarai uh, said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. You can kind of hear it already, can't you? The frustration rises. Time goes on and on, and they had to have been wondering, where's this promised child? I think it's, it's difficult for us to really get into the mindset of this story here, though. It's been arguably something like 10 years since this initial promise. Sarah's now 75 years old. Listen to the way uh, the ESV translates this verse here. It says, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Scholars assert that this behold now right there is kind of like Sarah screaming, I can't take it anymore. 10 years is enough. I'm tired of waiting. Maybe you heard God wrong. Maybe he's messing with us. I don't want to wait anymore. So as her frustration rises... She offers a, a, a pretty desperate proposal. She suggests that Abraham, her husband, sleep with her servant in the hopes of having a child through her. Can you imagine what it must be like to get to that point? Now, guys, a, a quick aside. <clears throat> um, may, maybe we don't take ladies up on everything they suggest, all the time, like especially if they're angry. <laughs> but apparently Abraham thinks this is a good idea, and he agrees. So let me, let me just pause right there for a quick moment. Do you ever feel frustrated with God's timing? I'm sure no one in this room, right? Do you ever feel like, like God is like holding out on you? It's giving the good stuff to someone else. Do you ever honestly wonder if he's actually even going to come through at all? Well, not only did their frustration rise, but quickly doubt overpowers. They start this journey really strong, really excited. God makes this unprecedented promise, invites them on this incredible journey. They start strong, but after... 10 years, they begin to falter a little bit. And so they look for a shortcut. So Sarah arranges for Abraham 
to be with Hagar. She gets pregnant. She gives birth to a son named Ishmael. So now Abraham has a son, but it's, it's not the son of the promise. It's not the son that God had intended. So how about you? Have you ever taken a shortcut that ended in disaster? Like maybe it wasn't a semi-truck stuck under a bridge, but even just in your own life? Like I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Um, if you're ever in the grocery store and you need to get through a line quickly, choose any line I'm not in. I have an uncanny ability to choose the line that's taking the longest. And any time that I try to switch lines, that then becomes the worst line in the store. It's always behind the person with like 17,000 coupons or the lady that insists on paying with pennies or somebody that just doesn't know what's going on. Now, the consequences of taking a shortcut in the grocery store are kind of minimal, right? But, but what about in our faith journey? What about when we try to take shortcuts there? Do you ever begin to doubt that God will actually come through? Or, or maybe this. Who here has felt that perhaps maybe God even forgot about you altogether? He's got a lot going on. Maybe he lost track of my life. I mean, has anyone here ever been tempted to take matters into your own hands and do it your own way, even if you know that it's not the way that God intended? I mean, I know I have. Lastly, it wasn't long until cynicism sets in. So we fast forward to Genesis 17. Uh, Abraham is now 99 years old. It's been something like 24, 25 years since this original promise was given to Abraham. And now God appears to him again, and he reaffirms this promise here in chapter 17. He says, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, if you're Abraham, at this point, are you maybe like cleaning out your ear? You're like, am I getting a cross signal here? Did I miss a memo somewhere? It's been 25 years. What do you you mean you're going to make me the father of a multitude of nations? And then God says this about Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. How confusing must that have been after a quarter century had passed since this original promise had been given? So how does Abraham respond? He responds the way that maybe a lot of us would respond. He laughs. He outright under laughs. Maybe he utters under his breath, how in the world can I be a father now? I'm I'm 100 years old and Sarah is 90. And when Sarah hears this promise, she can't hold back her cynicism either. Here's what she says. How could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Apparently, this was pre-Viagra, I guess. Um, (laughs) Sorry, the joke pretty much wrote itself. I had to there. (laughs) After 25 years of waiting, though, they had to have looked at each other and thought, this doesn't seem likely. In fact, it seems quite improbable. But let let me pause and ask again all of us. Have you ever become cynical in your faith journey? 
Have you ever straight up given up hope that God would come through? Do you sometimes even laugh to yourself when someone suggests that a step of faith could be worth it? See, here at Community, we, we don't believe that the Bible is just something that happened, but that it's something that's happening. That Abraham and Sarah's story is our story. That when God instructed them, he's also instructing us. On our journey of faith, we all experience times where frustration rises, doubt overpowers, and cynicism sets in. Let me, let me explain it this way. We, we talk a lot about being uh, 3C Christ followers, and we describe those C's, those core relationships, in these three ways. The first is this, uh, celebrate. That's my relationship with God. That's our Sunday morning celebration services. The second is this, it's connect. It's our relationship with the church. This is why we're often talking about getting in small groups, connecting with other people. And then the last is this, contribute. It's our relationship with the world. How do we actually give back? How do we actually join in this Jesus mission of helping other people find their way back to God? Now, when you, when you first came, you, you probably heard us say something like, hey, come back next Sunday. Make this your church home. We would love for you to celebrate with us next Sunday. You likely also heard us say, hey, get into a small group. Life is better in circles than in rows. Connect in a small group somewhere. And then you also likely heard us give an invitation to join us in a ministry team, whether it's Kid City or Stuco or one of our Restore initiatives. We've likely said at some point in your time here, hey, join us in giving back somehow. But here's the tricky part, and I think this is probably true for almost all of us. That starts off really exciting, doesn't it? The first time you attend or the first time you get connected or the first time you start serving somewhere. But then like somewhere along the way, it just gets, it gets tiring, it gets exhausting, it, gets, it feels old hat, and our, our faith begins to falter. Or maybe we just straight up hit a wall. Maybe that, that serving experience wasn't exactly what you'd expect it would be. Maybe you checked out a small group and it was weird, right? <laughs> you know who you are. Maybe it's a teaching pastor that just goes way too long, present company excluded, obviously. You feel let down, though. Your frustration rises, your doubt may overpower, and cynicism may set in. The honeymoon period feels like it's over and your faith begins to falter. But as we look at this story of Abraham and Sarah, there's one character, the main character that we haven't mentioned yet. He's the one making all the promises. He's the one who remains constant even when frustration, doubt, and cynicism set in. Through every step of their journey, God remains faithful to Abraham and Sarah. He remains faithful to them, and he remains faithful to us, to you and to me. He promises that he'll always be there. And what he doesn't promise is a worry-free life. He doesn't promise a trouble-free existence but he promises that he will never leave us, that he'll always be with us. In fact, you know what the most common command in all of scripture is? It's two simple words, fear not. Fear not. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the most common 
command. And almost every single time it's followed by this phrase, for I am with you. As if to say, I know that things are gonna get scary at times. You're you're gonna be tempted to fall into fear and doubt. You don't have to fear because I am with you. He promises that it will be worth it. It will be so worth it. Now I know that today for, for some of you, this story might be particularly on the nose because a child is exactly the thing that you've been longing for and that hasn't come to pass yet. Or maybe it's, it's a relationship that seems to be coming unraveled right beneath your nose. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're tired. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a short time and the luster has worn off for you. Maybe it's honestly even just this one initiative Maybe it hasn't been what you hoped for. Maybe last year you made a a commitment and and God has not come through the way that you thought he would. Or or maybe you didn't make a commitment because you just, you can't see how all of this would even be possible. That doesn't make any sense. Why, why Why would I be generous? In his letter to Christ's followers in Thessalonica, Paul had some really encouraging words and this is what he says. He says, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. For he who calls you is faithful. God is not done with us yet. If you've hit a season in your spiritual journey where it feels like God has forgotten his promise, you you are not the only one who feels that way or has felt that way. Abraham and Sarah felt that way. I've felt that way. And Nick and Kelly have felt that way too. And this is their story. It's frightening when you commit X amount to God and you don't know, or at least you feel like, well, am I going to get it back? Yeah, there there were a few times where, you know, if I can be real, that... I was um, asking Nick and, you know, asking him maybe this isn't, maybe we should just wait till next week or next month to contribute. I'm Nick Virachat and this is my wife Kelly. We have three children, Devin, Taylor, and Samantha, and we have been attending community for about eight years now. We found community through our friends, uh, Tasha and Karen Uray. I think one of the first things that I noticed was um, how welcoming it was. Literally from the first day that we attended, we fell in love with it and we've never stopped coming since. Everything about it was, was kind of felt like, just felt like home. It's one of the things that actually drew us to this church was the fact that there was a mission to bring people back to God and it was something that we felt that was important for us. We want to be a part of that. The All In initiative was um, really life-changing for us as a, a married couple, as a family. The tithing portion was always something that I was, um, I wanted to give and I wanted to give generously, but I was always a little hesitant. We decided that we were going to commit to, you know, a figure that was a little uncomfortable for us and a bit of a stretch. Um, but uh, we felt that it was a, uh, a great cause, something that we wanted to be a part of, knowing that uh, we could help people. Literally from the day one that we started um, with the All In Initiative and then you know, going into the, uh, you know, the One Initiative, our financial life literally just completely changed. We have been blessed beyond our wildest dreams financially. 
we are completely committed to it and it's not something that it's even we even think about it anymore. We just we just do it. Yeah. You know? So when we first started this, we were not in a financial situation to commit the amount that mm-hmm. Nick had originally um, felt prompted on his heart, and I, I was actually uh, very hesitant. Scared. I'm a warrior, so I was I was scared. And with a lot of prayer and commitment, um, felt that prompting that you know this is the absolute most important thing, helping people and and impacting people's lives there's nothing better than that there's nothing more important we've always been uh, control freaks both of us and we never really wanted to give him financial control our finances went 100 into god's control with the one initiative and it was you know for us um one of those moments where we finally said uh god's gonna control everything money you know house business and we put it all on his shoulders and it has just been you know literally just life-changing it was like the more we gave the more we wanted to give and it was just yeah. a cycle of positivity and uh, reflection and the more we got back yeah and and blessings it's so freeing it felt so great to finally see the rewards of that. And so just to be able to really, truly put my trust in God and to uh, know that no matter what, it's all going to be good. Uh, It's very freeing. God is number number one, and and we are are one one on on this mission. mission. Yeah. I love that story. Now, I... I know that there are plenty of reasons, plenty of things that can put distance between us and God. Doubt is a part of the journey. Struggle is okay. But you need to know that it, it's never God who walks away from us, ever. He who calls us is faithful. And, and even if you feel like your faith is faltered, the very next step you take can be an opportunity to reaffirm, to make God number one in your life. That, that's truthfully what this one initiative is, is all about, about putting God in his proper place in our life over everything. And that's something that all of us can do, wherever we are in our faith journey, to reaffirm, to recommit that God is number one. And this isn't just about a generosity series. This is about life. This is about living as Christ followers. The one initiative is it's a chapter in the story. It's a leg of the journey, but it's a powerful opportunity for us to trust God with something that's very tangible, to to follow him in a very specific way. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna have what we call Commitment Sunday, and we're all gonna have the opportunity to join with thousands of others who are making God Number one, by making a commitment of generosity to help more and more and more people find their way back to God. We're praying that God would speak powerfully to the hearts of everyone who hears. Now, I know that there's some of us here that you're new or, or last year you're maybe unsure of this one initiative stuff. We, we would love for you to jump in, to be a part of this final 12 months together so that you can join us in this journey. There are others who did make a commitment last year. And I wanna, I wanna say specifically to you, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. 
in a lot of ways, it's, it's your generosity that makes it possible for Katie and I to be here at all. And I know that for, for some of you that, that made commitments last year, it's, it's been harder than you thought it would be. There may have been curveballs in your life. My, my prayer is that you would finish strong. And I think there are others still that maybe they made commitments, but you've had an increase in their faith or finances. Maybe God is stirring something in your heart right now to give in even bigger ways. Our prayer is that this series will not only inspire you, but embolden you to trust God in a way that you've never trusted him before. And some of you already know how this story of Abraham and Sarah end. God comes through on his promise and blesses them with a son named Isaac. And do you know what Isaac's name means? It means laughter. Isaac's name means laughter. We could even say out of cynical laughter comes laughter, joyous laughter. And finally, at long last, after 25 years, God fulfills his promise. Abraham was now 100 years old. They experienced the beauty of trusting in the one true God. And this is my favorite part of this verse right here. This happened at just the time God said it would. At just the time God said it would. Not when Abraham and Sarah preferred it to. Not when it would have made most sense to them. When it would have been most convenient. It was 25 years later. But God was faithful to them. And he is faithful to us. So one question remains. Will you trust him? Will we trust him? Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Even when we wander, even when we stray. God, thank you for seeing in us that which we couldn't see in ourselves. We thank you that you are worthy of praise. You're worthy of honor. God, I pray that you would give us courage, that you give us strength to make you truly number one in our lives. We thank you, God. You've called us to a great adventure. Help us to join you in that work of helping more and more people find their way back to you. We thank you and we love you and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.